0: Welcome to With You in the NICU, a podcast for infant patients' parents and practitioners. Each episode aims to last as long as a pumping session for mom, or you could listen to several while you practice skin-to-skin with baby. With You in the NICU is produced by the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation. This episode is made possible by presenting sponsor Medela with support from AbbVie and Prolacta. Your host for With You in the NICU is Jenna Morton, a parenting
1: journalist and mother of two preemie boys. Hello, and welcome to With You in the NICU. I'm Jenna Morton, and today I am thrilled to be joined by the one and only Anne Douglas. If you're not familiar with her name, it's one you're gonna want to remember. Anne's books are the only parenting ones that I actually buy and keep on the shelf. She's a Canadian mom, a parenting columnist for CBC, and a wonderful writer who gathers stories from parents across the country and mixes them with current research to create compelling, factual essays that will really resonate with you. She's the creator of Canada's best-selling series, The Mother of All Pregnancy Books, as well as Parenting Through the Storm, which I think will speak to any preemie parent. And her most recent book is called, Happy Parents, Happy Kids. It was just released in February 2019 by HarperCollins Canada. Welcome to With You in the NICU, Anne. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Jenna. It's so fabulous to, to speak with you. This is not the first chance we've had to connect, but uh, it's been a little while and it's, it's very exciting with uh, the new book out. I'm wondering if you could just start by addressing the parents who are listening. We're, we're talking with parents who are in the NICU. It's one of the most stressful emotional times. What is the first thing that you want those parents to hear from you?
2: I think to know that you're not alone because um, when you have a child in the hospital and you're totally immersed in everything that that involves it's easy to feel like you know you have to carry this whole weight on your shoulders by yourself that nobody else lives through this and it can be very lonely on top of being very isolating so I think connect with other parents who've been on this or a similar journey and as you begin to do a little bit of outreach to other people you, you will discover a lot of, of parents have been through this kind of experience so yeah on social media everybody's having the perfect life etc but no the more you connect with others the more you, you discover that a lot of people have been through this kind of journey and that you will come out the other side you need those people who are maybe a little further on in their journey who can say yeah i remember that and now things are so much better or
1: easier at this stage it, it is it's so neat to find those people at, at different points along the parenting journey whether you're a NICU parent or just parenting in general to have those those touchstones of oh, okay that's two years away oh that's 10 years away and, and to have those pictures in your head really is powerful it is for sure that's
2: what's kept me sane-ish on most of the parts of my journey <laughs> and you
1: you you've had quite the journey you have four children
2: I do, and they're now all young adults. They're between the ages of 21 and 30, impossibly. Um, but when they were younger, they had any number of struggles. You know, mental health challenges. All four of them have ADHD. My youngest is on the autism spectrum. My daughter had an eating disorder, etc. Fill in the blanks. It's just we did go through a lot of sort of quote-unquote parenting storms. But uh, you know, things are so much easier today. I wouldn't say that we never have a storm cloud that passes across the sky, but at least we've learned how to sort of get through those things as a family and to reach out to other people for support, which I think has been
1: key. And so I think that's one of the, the areas where you can really help the parents who are in the NICU now with their infants. You write a lot about how you learn to become an advocate for your children and for yourself. And I think that's, that's such a powerful skill. What are some of the things you can talk to around that?
2: biggest thing is to sort of own your own expertise to realize how much you do know. And I think sometimes it can be intimidating when everybody else in the room has, you know, a fancy label behind their name, or they seem to have, you know, been doing their their job forever. And of course, we want to acknowledge their clinical expertise and skill set that they bring to the table. But even when you're very new in your journey of parenting, you know, however many days, weeks, months, years into it, you are acquiring so much valuable knowledge about your child because you are like, you know, the scientist studying your, your baby so intensively. So you can say, well, you know what? I noticed something different today. So maybe he or she's in a different space. Maybe they're, you know, dealing with something that I should be flagging for the team. So don't say, Oh, but they're the experts. They know it all. No, they're counting on your unique expertise and observation skills and powerful love and connection to that child. I mean, you are, you are, you know, your child's Strongest advocate, and also you need to, as you said, advocate for yourself too. You need to say, You know what? Today I am feeling emotional, exhausted, uh, uncertain, so maybe somebody needs to help me a little bit, uh, encourage me to take a break, or sit by my side and provide me with some company and some reassurance, and not to be afraid to ask for that. Don't feel like the job description of parent is superhero and that you have to be able to rise to the occasion in every moment because nobody can carry that off. I mean, even Superman had to step out of his cape on a regular basis. So why would you have to wear yours 24-7?
1: I think that's such a fantastic image to keep in your mind. Yes, even Superman takes a break. In in thinking that way, it's hard sometimes when you're in the moment to stop and figure out how to take a break. What are some tips and things you've learned over the years from, you know, your own experience and speaking with other parents about how you can really make that happen?
2: Yes. I think that we have to be realistic about what's possible right now because if you think, oh, I know, I'll go to social media and get some ideas about how I could do this self-care thing. And then you see, you know, the mom on the top of the mountain as the sun rises and you're thinking, I'm just not sure how I'm going to pull that one off today. <laughs> then, you know, scale it way back and think maybe it is, you know, listening to some relaxing music or tuning into a brilliant podcast that could keep you company. You know, this is your self care. It could be texting a friend and saying, Hey, you know, are you going to be in this part of town at any point today? Cause I'd love it if we could have a cup of coffee or tea together, if you could possibly swing by all of those kind of things. And I mean, even just in terms of uh, exercise, I discovered very belatedly in life, I I mean, I'm sure people tried to tell me this, that uh, that exercise is really mental health enhancing. So even if you could just go for a short walk down the hall around the hospital grounds or whatever, just to sort of clear your head. And I find for me, getting outside helps hugely, just like, you know, there is weather, there is a world beyond this room. And, uh, you know, so it might have to be little short bites, it might might not happen every single day. But you can say, I deserve this, you know, in my own right, I am a valuable person. And also, I want to be the strongest, healthiest person I can be to support my child, because this may end up being a bit more of a marathon than a sprint. So I can't afford to get completely burnt out and depleted. And then know that some days, you know, you'll stumble and you'll realize it's like the end of the day and you didn't have five minutes to yourself and don't, do not go into like the self-beat-up mode where you say, oh, no, I'm failing at this self-care and self-compassion thing. That is not the idea of self-compassion, to beat yourself up for not doing self-compassion right. The idea is to say, what would I say to a friend who is struggling with this stuff? And then to be that encouraging voice in your own head. So I think that's a really big piece of it. Maybe, maybe self-compassion is the best form of self-care because it's portable because
1: you've got it packed in your own head. I think that's such a powerful term, self-compassion. Yes. Right. That's, it's, you know, I think that that term self-care is getting used so much these days and that it is, you get those images of going for a pedicure or going on a trip or, or whatever. And it's, you know, it's, it's just giving yourself that, that empathy, that compassion to be, you know what, it's okay to be overwhelmed. It's okay to not know what you're doing right now. Yeah.
2: And to say to yourself, I'm doing the best that I can in a really difficult situation. That's my personal mantra. And it has gotten me through any number of, you know, child crises. It got me through a family house fire. Uh, You know, whatever life throws my way, I tend to rely on that. Now, granted, on a really bad day, I might say it at like a slightly hysterical pace, like I'm doing the best that I can in a really difficult situation. It's more effective. I've discovered if I can slow it down a little bit and let the words land on me. But that's not always possible, so I just have to keep trying.
1: That's exactly right. That's uh, we just have to keep going. Your latest book, "Happy Parents, Happy Kids," it has the subheading "Parenting Without Anxiety, Guilt, or Feeling Overwhelmed." Yes. How? How? how is that even possible, Anne?
2: You like that? You like that journey, party? Eh? Yeah. No, I don't know. If we can... I have to say the marketing team added that part. So I can't say that I can totally promise no anxiety, no guilt, no overwhelm. But maybe just a little bit less of all of the above would be a good thing. And there's so many things to feel anxious about. So I think that just, uh, you know, acknowledging that and saying it's not that I'm doing it wrong, it's that there are a lot of things about parenting that are really anxiety producing. And I mean, I know uh, families who have a child in the hospital for a prolonged period of time, you have time stress, you have financial worries. And on top of that, you know, your mind may cast ahead to the future and think what will things be like for our family? So there are just so many things to feel anxious about. Now that doesn't mean we have to be professionally anxious and be so good at being anxious that we never get out of that rut. But again, you know, there are things we can do to, to you know, give ourselves a mental vacation from our own heads and to connect with other people and to sort of challenge some of those thoughts. Like, I am a really good warrior, so I can think of, like, the worst-case scenario five, ten years down the road, and I can make that my re- reality in my head if I don't challenge it and say, but wait, is that actually true? Is that an objective fact, or is that just my anxious brain getting ahead of me? And then guilt most parents I know are very good at guilt. And, you know, we, we tend to be so harsh towards ourselves, thinking about what, quote, unquote, a perfect parent would do in this situation. And then, you know, comparing us ourselves to that, because, you know, we're all gloriously imperfect. So I think that we can't help but fall short. And that's okay. Because think how annoying it would be to be your child growing up with perfect parents, you would never be able to function in the world. So if you think about it, Being imperfect is kind of like a gift for your kids, so. And then the feelings of overwhelm. Oh, my heavens. Uh, I think that this, I'm going to probably get a little bit political here because I can't help it, but I think that so much of what fuels our feelings of overwhelm these days are... The, the broader culture not doing a good enough job of stepping up and supporting parents. I think we really need workplace and social policies that acknowledge that sometimes parents need to be able to hit the pause button in their lives to deal with a pressing situation involving their children, and it shouldn't be a recipe for financial ruin. It shouldn't be parental exhaustion. There, you know, there's just a lot of things we could do differently and better. I think, and then technology, I think, fuels that as well. Uh, I, I have a love-hate relationship with my smartphone as I'm sure a lot of other people do and there are times it is like the best gift in my life because it connects me to other people and it it, it exposes me to interesting ideas because I have like 10 million podcasts I listen to on on a regular basis but sometimes I too can go down the social media vortex and, you know, start looking at all these posts and thinking, Oh, I should be doing this better and that better. And, and that can fuel my anxiety. And so I think that there are a lot of things going on for parents. And I hope that because the, the parents that I interviewed for this particular book had such a variety of different experiences and we're coming from, you know, all kinds of different walks in life that we can see that it's not just you who's finding this hard. It's almost every parent I know who's finding it hard. And that something about parenting has changed and that we're living in a much more intense and anxiety-producing time. So I would say anxiety in particular is a perfectly logical reaction to the state of the world today. And again, there are things we can do to manage that for
1: ourselves. That's such an important conversation for people to have because I know it comes up a lot in my world where people kind of, say, oh, well, you know, our parents did fine, our grandparents, you know, raised a dozen kids each with no social media, no help, and why can't we have, you know, why can't we do it with just two or one, or, and I think we draw these comparisons that I'm not sure we really understand what their reality was.
2: Yeah, and even when you look at something like the cost of housing, it is, (laughs) it's, so many times more expensive and not just like, you know, the, the, you know, inflation happening, but like exponentially so there's that there's the cost of childcare there's the cost of post-secondary education there's worries about uh, your ability to be gainfully employed over the long term because you know that full-time job with benefits that lasts a career that's kind of a dinosaur thing now uh, you know most most of us including myself are precariously employed in one way or another if you're a Canadian author you're very precariously employed and that's part of the adventure so you know lots of uh, lots of things to grapple with, and you're also looking to the future and wondering what is the world of work gonna be like for my kid? I mean, I was enraged when my children started entering the workforce, and I realized that if you worked full-time, you couldn't even afford to rent the worst apartment in town on your own. You had to have a roommate, and I'm thinking, wow, everything is so out of whack. So I could go into like a five hour essay on this. So I'm going to shut that down in myself. But if anybody else wants to rant, come and join me on Twitter and we will continue the conversation because I feel such a sense of urgency about this. And I think we really need to say to people, hey, this is not working and we need to fix a lot of
1: things. Yes, I, I will join you on Twitter in that rant. <laughs> I, I felt it as that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of that that in-between. Zenial, I think, is the, the terminology for where I am, right? I've kind of got that one foot in both worlds. And yeah, it's it's a tough spot to be. But that's not what we're talking about today. Well, let's, let's wrap up today with that more practical piece for those parents who are sitting in the NICU right now. We're not going to project and worry about down the road. What can we do? right now that can help with all of this what are some some very physical tips yes that, that these parents can take away with them today
2: right i think the biggest thing is to really look for the moments that are special in your day and sometimes we can get to the end of the day and maybe 90 percent of the day was good or at least moderately okay And then there was this 10% chunk that was really annoying, scary, frustrating. And at the end of the day, we can focus on that 10%. And that sort of like robs us of all the joy of different things. So maybe think at the end of the day, what was one special thing I want to remember from today? It could just be a moment of connection with your baby. It could be a kind and encouraging word that somebody said to you. And I say to parents, like, if somebody says something kind and encouraging to you, you need to like mentally absorb that and then at the earliest opportunity you need to jot that down somewhere send yourself an email that's like you know encouragogram or something like that where you can track all these lovely messages of encouragement because in the dark times the difficult times you want to be able to sort of pull those messages up and access them easily and you know just sort of replenish your your stores and I think really um remembering that we were never meant to do this parenting thing alone. We really need to build and connect with our village and that it's okay to call on your village for your support. Sometimes people feel really guilty. Like what right do I have to ask other people for help? Well, Remember the last time you helped somebody, how great it made you feel, and you had that sense of contributing to humanity and being connected to other people, and you felt so good about yourself. Why would you deprive somebody else of that gift? So it's not that you're, you know, imposing on them by saying our family would love the gift of a lasagna. You're actually giving them an opportunity to do something that's going to make them feel as good as you, and you're going to end up with lasagna. It's a win-win.
1: It's always a win when you end up with lasagna. I can, I have to say that was one of the great tips that I was told early on was accept the help and and tell people what you need. Don't just say, you know, a, a lot of people will offer to help, but they don't know what you need. So you need to articulate, you know, if it's winter, can you go shovel our driveway? If it's summer, you know, can you, you know, take our older child out to the playground for a visit? Can you, yeah, you know, The door is open, put something in the freezer. If you can give people that one small task, when they say, what can I do to help? Everyone will feel better.
2: That's right. And sometimes I know people who... (laughs) People who have like that super organized friend who could be a professional events manager, get that friend on the case. It's like what you can do is coordinate all these offers of help so that we don't have seven homemade dinners arrive on the same night. It would be great if they were staggered because yes, we're hungry, but not seven dinners worth.
1: Yes. And, and to channel all those messages to someone else can be a huge lifting of a burden on the parent who's dealing with the actual situation. hmm Yes. Uh, The the other tip that I've shared time and again, after it was shared with me, which I learned in the NICU with our boys was, and this was, you know, the clinicians telling us this don't judge this moment against the last moment. When you want to see, you know, how things are progressing, make sure you're looking back, you know, let's compare today to three days ago compare today to a week ago and find where the growth was and find where the good points were. Like you were talking about, you know, remembering those kind comments that are made in those encouraging words. You need to find the way to focus on those positives. Even if you have to go back a little bit further to find them, that's okay.
2: Right. Don't think that if you had like a road bump today, that that means it's all downhill. No, it's just, it's a dip in the road and then the road will go up again.
1: Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation, Anne.
2: It was my pleasure, Jenna. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Anne Douglas is the author of several Canadian parenting books. You can find her writing and details on her books at www.annedouglas.net.
0: With You in the NICU is created to keep pumping mothers and others company in and out of the NICU. It is produced for the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation by Jenna Morton and Tosh Taylor. Financial assistance is provided through education grants from presenting sponsor, Medela, with support from AbbVie and Prolacta. You can learn more about the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation by following them on Facebook or online at cpbf-fbpc.org.